This is Gabe from the Chicago band Dastardly, and you are listening to Radio 1 Chicago. That was Dastardly, and you're listening to Radio in Chicago. Um, this is Matt, and I'm here with Gabe from the band. What's up, man? Hey, thanks for having me. That was a great-sounding song. Oh, yeah, right? I'm going to buy that Who on wrote iTunes. wrote that? <laughs> yeah. Geniuses. 
Uh, no, it, it does sound really good, and that's from your new album, yes, which is pretty exciting. When did that come out? That came out uh, July 1st, so it's been a little over okay. a month. So it's still pretty fresh. Yep. And it's called The Hollows? Yes. The Hollow. The Hollow. Just a hollow. One, one Just hollow. one. <laughs> awesome. And it's interesting because it's been a little bit since your last uh, release. Yeah. And it seems like the sound has kind of shifted in that time as well. Totally. Um, a little bit, I guess, darker almost, a little bit. Uh, I, I seem to remember you guys being a little more folky back in the right. day, right? Uh, you know, we we started back in... Actually, Dastardly started in 2009, and okay. I was just basically recording country songs in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in my bedroom. And I mean, I'm a Jew from Rhode Island, so I didn't nice. have much business uh, <laughs> doing country music, but I was interested in the genre. I was really into guys mm-hmm. like Towns Van Zandt and Graham Parsons who were kind of taking the uh, general themes and cliches of country music to make something a little more poetic and mm. human, and I wanted to kind of explore that. So I recorded a couple of songs in my room and then mostly through Craigslist, funny or not, I yeah. I assembled a band of people to play those songs with me live. Okay. Uh, so so using uh traditional folk instruments like banjo and accordion, what happened was um we started getting all of these people who had their own interests and their own influences that weren't necessarily tied to country music mm-hmm. and I'm a, I'm also an encyclopedic music nerd and have many, nice. many vast interests of all sorts of genres of music. Mm-hmm. So very quickly after we put together a set of country music, we were interested in writing together to uh, kind of mess around with different instrumentations and different arrangements and songs that were kind of out of the country folky genre. Uh, so I think after... After our first couple EPs, we went through a lot of self-discovery and trying Mm -hmm. to figure out where this experimentation was going. And if we didn't want to be pigeonholed as a folk band, then what exactly were we? So that did uh, result in us deciding to take a hiatus from performing and doing shows. Mm -hmm. Because especially when you're a band on a local level... Uh, the the ideal setup, right? If if you're if you're doing well as a band, is that you you uh, write an album, mm-hmm. and then you put all your time into that, and then you go on tour and do shows, and right, then right. you repeat. So the problem is when you're in a local band and you're not making money mm-hmm. and you don't have a ton of time, you can kind of do. You can do some shows, you can do a little bit of touring and do some writing, but you're not yeah. necessarily able to allocate your time to really focus on one or the other. So we decided that we were just going to hunker down, um, really develop the arrangements and the sounds that we wanted to do, uh, because I, I think that I identified myself and the music that I wanted to make and what I value in, in uh, creativity uh, with a lot of things that weren't being represented by the music that we mm. made before, uh, like more ambitious uh, production, mm. uh, different sounds, a, a bit more drama, things that were a bit more personal. So we were experimenting with a lot of things and taking things like accordions and clarinets and upright basses and putting them through guitar pedals and oh, nice. uh, yeah. creating sonic worlds that are usually in electronic music, but mm-hmm. having these more 
uh, human instruments like the clarinet and the accordion that are out of tune and kind of bend in and out of pitch uh-huh. uh, have that be the foundation. So took a lot of took a lot of time, but uh, we like how it turned out. Yeah, I was gonna say I think it it paid off. Like it it sounds really cool and definitely a lot of like layers there. Oh, yeah. We're talking about the sonic uh, and experimentation and things. That's pretty neat. Um, so was all that time you were kind of just focused on uh, writing the album, like how much time was like, was it kind of melded with writing and recording and, and arrangement and right. all that? Or was it like, we're going to like write these songs and we're going to like arrange them and then record yeah, them? Yeah, there were, there were three or four phases to the process. Mm-hmm. And the first process was actually just me uh, challenging myself to write more personal songs okay uh so i ended up writing about 30 or 40 songs and i would demo them in my room and i would record harmonies and basic ideas and i'd present it to my band and and at that time we were living together in a coach house in wicker park and uh they would say which ones they liked which ones they didn't who had ideas for what and then the ones that we were all the most excited about, we began developing and seeing a lot of common themes in what ended up working and resonating the most. So the phase two was actually workshopping these songs and um, and uh, arranging them and kind of re- recording them. And then the third mm. process was starting to work with this guy, John Alvin, who was uh, an engineer and a manager at a recording studio called Chromatic that uh, is in Crystal Lake. And I actually started learning the ropes um, in in audio engineering and production. He was teaching me a lot of that because I was was, um, helping out at that studio. So we kind of worked together in that process, John and I, uh, because we love records that kind of blur the line between uh, a live band and and uh, studio production, and mm. I think the the most recent Daft Punk record is one oh, that does yeah, that really yeah. well, and uh, the Tame Impala record that just came out, mm. Currents, is is uh, is another record that does that. So we wanted to explore that kind of taking these live arrangements that we made as a source and seeing what we can do in the studio to take that raw material to create these bigger worlds where really the sky is the limit. And that took a lot of time of, uh, of uh, taking these source sounds and these parts and arranging them, making things that work, because um, it's, it's a lot of territory that hasn't been done before as far right. as uh, when you have these big rock drums and these big loud arrangements... Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm tell if you look at the Pro Tools track, some of these songs have 130 or 140 <laughs> tracks on them. Uh, wow. So, so if you if a lot you of processing power, <laughs> right, right. So thank you, John, for <laughs> yeah, figuring right. out how to mix that. But uh, you know, wh- when you're when you want to use clarinets and accordions to take the place of of synthesizers mm-hmm. or electric guitars, that's something that takes a lot of time. Uh, but but it was worth it because, uh, I mean, I love I love music like David Bowie and Kate Bush and Brian Eno, who mm-hmm. kind of create worlds that are so unique to that record. And and uh, you don't necessarily you can't put your finger on what exactly that is. That's what's great about 
quote-unquote indie rock, things like Animal Collective yeah. and My Bloody Valentine. You mm. hear things, and they give you a certain mood and a certain feeling, but you have no idea what what that actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we wanted to chase that a lot, So, but it took a long time to get it right. Yeah, no, that's a really cool like perspective to have. Like, I, I, That is one of the things I... Uh, respect about electronic musicians is yeah. their ability to like you know they they craft these sounds and you obviously some of them is just like presets but a sure. lot of them it's like you know this this new sound that they're crafting for a specific purpose and they spend a lot of time on that and then I, on the other hand you can't really beat live instrumentation for that like right that's the, that's the thing uh because if you look at the radio what's on the hot 100 everything mm-hmm. and i do think that there's a lot of very unique uh production styles that are being used i mean right now the can't feel my face by the weekend is the number one song in in the country mm. and it's uh it it's a pop song but it's very interesting how they crafted that right. and the sounds that they made uh but in, in in the same sense everything is auto-tuned everything is straight to the grid so yeah. everything is is perfectly in time and perfectly in tune and uh it it's it's fun to be able to take that approach of um, electronic music, but still have that human element that you can really only get from the power and feel of people actually playing. Yeah, totally. That's yeah. It's one of those interesting things. Like even as much as advanced that the technology gets, it still right. like can't match that feel. And that's I think that's what music. Th- good music is 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 emotional and like you can feel something from it tell that so to craft work <laughs> okay i like craft work too, too. <laughs> so <laughs> i'll take it back they make me feel I, like I a feel nice things. cold robot yeah i feel i feel different things right <laughs> well uh with all this talk about the new album i'm kind of itching to get back to another song so let's do that for the listeners and for myself um and play another song off of the hollow by dastardly you're listening to radio one chicago
All right, another track from Dastardly's new album, The Hollow. And Gabe from the band is here with me. What's up? Uh, what was the title of that last track? That song was called Grove. Nice. It's cool. You can tell a difference just between those two songs, like a lot of like varied uh, you know, instrumentation or like style even just between those two is pretty fun. Thanks. Um, you guys had a album r- release show. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, we had uh, a lot of our pals, some of our favorite Chicago band pals. We had the Gold Web, who I highly um, recommend yep. for anyone listening at home, and another great band called Oshawa, so some of Chicago's finest at uh, Lincoln Hall. And yeah, we played every song from the album. We oh, had nice. our our bass player, who actually lives in New York. He was in town. Okay. Uh, and he was working on the live show with us, so we, we'd we been workshopping for about a year uh, how we were going to perform these songs live, because oh, yeah. it is, we decided to try to do it without samples and synthesizers, oh, so nice. it was this big process of figuring out how to use an accordion player uh, and a clarinet player to be able to uh, carry the weight of all of those big epic yeah. sounds and turns out that was real hard i yeah <laughs> i would <laughs> guess that <laughs> just like listening to it yeah and how many people are in the band so technically the it, we're we're a four piece because of uh who who the, the four of us myself andy the drummer sarah who's a singer plays accordion percussion and august who plays bass are mm. the the core four who primarily uh played and arranged the songs and were actively working on the mixes. Uh, we did add two people to help us play the songs live. Uh, Joe Darnaby, uh, he's, a, he's a great player. He's played in the, he plays with a band called Bailiff, and he's also oh, playing yeah. a group called Brighton May. And he's, he's a sound guy as well. Uh, so he was, he was able to really help us figure a lot out. Mm. Uh, so that was really helpful. And then uh, Natalie Turner, she plays clarinet, and she's, she's a great singer. So, yeah, we turned into a six-piece, so crowded cool. stage. Cool. Plus, do you have, like, a bunch of different instruments up there? We like, had a bunch of different instruments. Is there kind of uh, some switching around that happens? Right. We actually had our, uh, for uh, as a special occasion for the, the show in Lincoln Hall, we had... One of our, our old players back when we were more of a, a folk sort of rootsy band, uh, this guy Joe Rowan, who played banjo for us, and he would also... So at, at that show, he showed up a couple of times and played played a little banjo, played a little clarinet, played a little saxophone. So oh, nice, nice. at a certain point, there were maybe seven people on stage with 10 or 11 instruments going on. <laughs> wow. So a sound person's worst nightmare. <laughs> that's that's intense. I mean, you play at Lincoln Hall, though. You usually have pretty good sound there. Oh, so at least best. you had, the like, best. you know, top-notch uh, music venue to handle right. that. <laughs> no, they're, 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 it's one of my favorite places ever to, to see live music. Yeah. And it's my fav- one of my favorite places to play. They have such a pro staff. Uh, and uh, luckily, John Alvin, the guy who we worked on the record, did sound for us. Oh, at nice! That show. So he's yeah, kind of prepared of like right. he knows how what to, mix to expect. It and what to, yeah, that's that's really nice. Um, so, how did all of that work? Like, did you have a lot of like you were saying before, like effects pedals and stuff on different things? Or right, yeah, that's what I mean. The the easiest route to take would have been to. Get some synthesizers mm-hmm. to because the, the the problem is that we've always had in the band is having uh, 
having accordion and clarinet and banjo and uh, acoustic instruments that are supposed to be quiet, um, being able to carry over loud drums and loud bass and loud yeah. electric guitar. Right. So we, we did plug in uh, accordion and clarinet to guitar pedals, and mm. you would get really, really cool sounds by themselves. The problem is, when you bring the loud drums mm. and the, the loud bass and everything into the equation, the way that um, accordions are mic'd up is that it's this big hollow instrument, but they have about six or seven mics in there, <laughs> six tiny little mics that are picking everything up. So the microphones aren't only picking up the accordion sound, mm. uh, whereas in a, in a guitar it's so small and so isolated that it mm. can just get the sounds of the, the strings. Um, so we're, you'd be getting the sounds of the drums and a bleed in from the electric guitar. And that's all coming back through, uh, with those effects, yeah. uh, which made, which made it kind of a nightmare. <laughs> um, and there, we've talked to people like we talked to the guys from Congo's who have that song come with me now, who mm. have an accordion player and, and basically, we, we've asked a lot of people who try to play accordion with, with loud bands, and the only answer I've heard is, yeah, it just sucks. It's just kind of a pain in the <laughs> oh, butt. I was hoping for some no, like, really no, good tip here. Yeah, I mean, I mean in a perfect <laughs> world, I guess, out. if you had a drum cage that, could, yeah. that was sound counseling and you had kind of a better setup in the <laughs> accordion, it would be nice, but... You, with what we had to work with, it was it was very difficult, but pretty just, cool. Just put the accordion player in a box, you know, exactly, <laughs> a glass box. It's yeah, just the size. Of <laughs> that them. would be so. That <laughs> would be so cool. That would be some hey. spinal taps. Yeah, I was just gonna yeah. say that's like <laughs> just don't let him get stuck in there. Right. Um, no, that's pretty cool though, and I guess you you figured it out and it. it no, we didn't. But oh, you didn't figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> but it still was cool. Okay, well, yeah. as long as it was cool. It was enough. We figured it out enough to put on a show that yeah. people got. people aren't going to be like, oh right. my gosh, it sounds bad. Um, they yeah, better that- not be. <laughs> Tweet me if you're going to say that. There you go. What's your Twitter? I'm um, at Gabe Leibowitz. Nice. And at Dastardly Band. There you go. A couple options. Mm-hmm. Uh, where else can people find this music online yeah. if they want to pick so it if, up? So if you want to just listen to it, we have the whole thing. You can stream it for free on SoundCloud. Uh, it's also on Spotify, and we also have the full album uploaded on YouTube. If you want to buy it, you can do iTunes, uh, Amazon, Google Play, Apple Music, the whole show. All the options. So it's, uh, just on. Google, just go on the internet, and there it will go. be there for you. Google dastardly. That's right. Awesome, man. Well, it was a pleasure having you oh, in. Congrats on the new album Thank again. Uh, what's what's next for you guys? Are you planning on doing a bunch of shows? or? Uh, we actually have no shows on the horizon right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we have some videos and some stuff coming okay. out. Awesome. Uh, and I think everyone's got a lot of other cool stuff going on. Sarah plays with Mukapata. She's oh, right performing on. with them. Uh I'm I'm working on some other projects, so yeah, lots of uh, lots of output. Yeah, keeping the, the creative juices oh, flowing. Can't stop, baby. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to hearing what's next from you. Thank you. So thanks again for coming in. We're gonna go out uh, with one more song from Dastardly. Again, this is from their new album, The Hollow, uh, which you can find online. Thanks again, man. Oh, thank you. <laughs>
it's too soon